0: Thanks for the music. Thank you all for coming. If you would grab a Bible, find Matthew chapter 13 in the Pew Bible, page 818, and most of it's on 819. Last time we talked about that Jesus' first year of public ministry, Matthew chapter 4 verse 23 says, he went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. One way in which he proclaims the good news of his kingdom are these stories about uh, parables, that we call them. And the trendy definition is earthly stories with heavenly meanings, but they're not really just for heaven, but actually how the kingdom of God or of heaven is here now and at work in this world. Jesus affirmed that in the chapter before this. We read last week that jesus said if he's here driving out demons by the spirit of god the kingdom has come so it's here but it's not yet here fully the last time i went to israel i took 12 of our students and the last day we toured a wonderful place called nazareth village now that was very bad teaching technique because we should have gone there the first day And then we could have envisioned all of what would be going on as we listen to these stories. And as we handle them, I'm sorry, go back one screen. It's important to take the parable and put it in the right container or the right box. So Jesus' parables are either talking about, one, the kingdom of God or heaven, which is here now, or he is describing what the life of the faithful should or should not be like. So examples of the second category would be the prodigal son, Go and do likewise. Or the parable of the widow who teaches us to pray and never give up in Luke 18. A trickier one, the story of the sheep and the goats in Matthew 25. Often we hear that and think, if I visit the poor and the sick and clothe the naked and feed the hungry, I get to go to heaven. But no, Jesus makes clear that the sheep inherit the kingdom because it's his gift, but the Parable is category two, how Jesus' sheep are then called to live. A similar kind of mix up happens with another famous parable, often called the prodigal son, in Luke 15, and then we think the story goes in box two this is what I shouldn't be like. But it really goes in box one. The main character is the first one mentioned, the man who had two sons, and so it's really a story about a waiting father. And that's what God's kingdom is like, always ready to reach out and welcome us. In Matthew 13, they're easy because all the parables are introduced category one. This is about God at work in the world in his kingdom, which is now present in the ministry of Jesus. And now I want to talk about Nazareth Village. Uh, so to get back into the day of Jesus, you've got to kind of visualize a lot of things like how they farmed, how they dressed how they would at the harvest gather the grain to the threshing floor and get the wheat out of it. Uh, Jesus tells a parable about a man who planted a vineyard, and vineyards are very valuable then and now, so he had a watchtower to protect his wine. This one's interesting because the Bible calls Jesus in Greek a tekton, which means literally a builder or one who constructs. Uh, the root is one who works with hard material. Now, wood is kind of hard, so you see this carpenter-like guy working, but his carpenter shop is mostly made of stone and rocks, and that's what they built most things with back in the day, so Jesus probably spent much more time with stone building things like, next, the city gates. There would be a wood wall, but the gate complex is all rock, and they're homes, maybe a door that's wood, but the whole house is rock. A, it's plentiful in Israel. B, it lasts long. And C, it's very low maintenance. And so much of the building, Jesus probably did, was actually working with stone. Then you got in the house, you might have had a wood roof, and then you would gather a table to dine. But back to farming and the parable of the sower from last week. That teaches us Something about their farming. The sower looks kind of silly just throwing seeds all over the place. But in that day, you would sow the seed first, then come along later and plow it under. Oh, that's why he's throwing it all over. And so Jesus teaches us that he wants to sow his saving word everywhere and to everyone. But mixed results. Some people are hard, and the word doesn't sink in, and they don't put the work into trying to understand it. Some people just listen on the surface and when trouble comes, it withers. Some people hear, but the deceitfulness of wealth and the anxieties of life choke it out. But boy, where that seed hits good soil, unbelievable, amazing, abundant fruit. That's kind of an individual application story about those who are hearing the word. But today I promised the big picture, the big story, the meta-narrative of the New Testament. And again, you have to go back to the first century and say, what were they thinking would happen? Basically, they envision this present evil age where we're struggling with poverty and starvation and the Romans and the Romans and the tax collectors and everything else. And there will be tribulation, like birth pangs, but then there would be this abrupt change And this whole age of evil and wickedness would pass away when a kingly Messiah showed up to bring in the kingdom of God and it would all be great for us righteous, holy, good people. Today's parable challenges that way of thinking about the coming of the kingdom. So on page 818 at the bottom, very last two lines, Jesus tells a parable about weeds and wheat. Amen, would you start at verse 24 and tell us the parable, Matthew, 18, Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 to 30. He put another parable before them. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came... And we have two parables that Jesus goes into great length explaining for us. So women, if you would go to verse 36 and explain this story for us as Jesus does verses 36 through 43. Then he left the disciples and went to us and his disciples came to him. thank you so jesus again kind of in an extended analogy says the sower is himself the son of man jesus the field now is the world and unlike last parable of the sower where the seed was the word of god now the good seed are believers the sons and daughters of his kingdom after Jesus sows the kingdom into the world, the enemy comes along, the devil, and he puts weeds, which are described as the sons of the evil one, or a lawbreaker. Now, every day I drive up to church on Sunday, and there's a big billboard that says, cannabis is life. Seriously? We're not talking about that kind. We're talking about these tares that get in there among the wheat. They grow together until the harvest, which is the end of the world. The harvesters or reapers are the. And notice they come and weed out of his kingdom all that causes sin or literally stumbling in faith and the lawbreakers. And they go into the fiery furnace, H E double toothpicks, right? They do not all live happily ever after. And for good to triumph evil has to be defeated and gotten rid of so jesus transforms that sharp distinction between this age and the age to come they expected and we can visualize it with some great denver broncos colors (laughs) so the age to come um, is here in jesus so the orange the cairo the symbol for christ brings in the kingdom on the left though it's this age of evil, wickedness, lawbreakers, things that call people to stumble. And instead of transforming everything from blue to orange with the coming of the kingdom, the orange and the blue exist together just like you leave the wheat and the weeds in the field because if you plowed the whole field up right away, you wouldn't get any harvest. And so then at the end of the age, The harvesters come, and the age to come is finally all orange. But in the meantime, we're living in orange and blue, weeds and wheat growing together. So what does this mean? Well, I have good news and I have bad news. Which do you want first? Dr. Loy is the cup half empty guy, so we'll have the bad news first, all right? Bad news. God's kingdom is here, but it's present in the midst of conflict and the evil sown by Satan. There is stumbling out there that can cause us to sin, even fall from faith. There's law-breaking going on all over the world. And so you know what happens. And for 2,000 years, you know what has been happening since the coming of Christ. Sin, evil, sickness, death, and all of that. And so we prayed, Lord, keep us steadfast in your word. Curb those who by deceit or sword would wrest the kingdom from your son and bring to naught all he has done. But there's good news. The kingdom is here in Jesus, and it's allowed great time to grow. So we go from 11 disciples on a hill in Galilee, told to make disciples of all nations, can you imagine that, to 2.2 billion Christians, they say, alive in the world today. What amazing growth. And if they were to brought down this age and ended the world 2,000 years ago, well, none of us would be here. So, because the kingdom has allowed time to grow even in the midst of wickedness we exist and we can be thankful for that and Jesus assures us that the end will be glorious for those in his kingdom the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the father because our God is greater and stronger and higher and healer And awesome in power is our God, and if our God is for us, in the midst of all that's going on, no one could ever stop us or his kingdom. In fact, Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Lord Jesus Christ, your power make known, for you are Lord of lords alone. Defend your holy church that we may sing your praise triumphantly time for a brief review quiz look at the next two verses to follow we get two very short stories uh, one in verse 44 and men give us this one and then we'll have the quiz verse 44 men the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered it up then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys that to you uh women tell us the next story which is very similar in contents except it's about pearls uh, women 45 and 46. again the kingdom of so which category do you put those two stories in the treasure and the pearl most people are tended to make it category two about what faithful followers should be like. If so, we're like the man, and the field's the world, and the treasure pearl is God's kingdom, and you've got to give it all up for Jesus. Seek first the kingdom of God. Could be, but I think not. In Matthew 13, all the other parables are not box one about the life of the faithful or box two, The Life of the Faithful, they're all about God's kingdom. And so if we look at this parable as teaching us about what God's kingdom is like, it comes out different. The man in both of the stories is God or Jesus. The field is the world, but he treasured you so much that he gave all he had so that you could be part of his kingdom. You're the pearl of grace. And Jesus gave it all up so that you could belong to him. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending your only son to bring your kingdom into this world. We praise you, Jesus, for giving your all on the cross in order to make us part of it. We thank you that you treasured us as a pearl of great price. Protect us from the evil weeds of this world. Continue to grow and strengthen and preserve your kingdom. Support us in our final strife. Preserve our faith until the harvest, your son's glorious return. Then by your amazing grace, we will truly shine like the sun in your eternal kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Go, oh, pearls and treasures go. Have a great day. In Jesus' name, amen.